Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I've gone for Valtteri Bottas to win a race this season. Okay, I that's he, not going to He'll happen. get lucky. That's not <laughs> I love that. I love Valtteri to bits. Love you to bits. But no, that's not going to happen. If that, happens, I'll get, if that happens, I'll get Valtteri tattooed on me. Welcome back to the fourth episode of the Pit Stop podcast and it's a great time for it to be the fourth episode because we are currently fourth in the spotify uk charts unbelievable so happy about that and today we have got the special guest we spoke about ladies and gentlemen it's will buxton hello (laughs) clap and everything how are you mate you good i'm really really good how are you guys yeah doing very well actually very well indeed it's exciting times for us. New Formula One fans on a Formula One podcast figuring everything out. And we wanted to get a guest on. We didn't expect to be able to get you on, but we're very happy we have. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be able to help in any way that I can with your, uh, your journey uh, towards uh, the Formula One fandom. I think that's what it's called. That's yeah, precisely. Yeah, journey. So uh, yeah, glad to have you here, mate. How has your how's your week been? We know you've been quite busy. Week's been, been... yeah, really busy. I'm I'm jet lagged as hell. Uh, I was at the IndyCar race at St. Petersburg in Florida. Although the internet seemed to think that I shouldn't be in Russia at a time like this, it was St. Petersburg, Florida, not St. Petersburg, Russia that I was oh, in, right. um, which is oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah, I saw your tweet. I saw oh. your post about that. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. But yeah, no, no. So so just chilling out, catching up with a bunch of old mates that I haven't seen in ages. Uh, so caught up with you know Roman Grosjean and uh, Alex Rossi and Marcus Ericsson and, and loads of guys that used to be in F1 so that was that was really really fun and yeah just loads of mates over there so great going out and watching some racing I had a choice between going to pre-season testing was it testing was it a shakedown whatever uh, in Barcelona or going to Florida for a little bit of winter sun so I thought I'd head over to Florida and just catch a bit of winter yeah. sun I think you made the correct choice there yeah, without doubt <laughs> How is it when the uh, season starts? So we got Bahrain first. You have a very busy schedule, a lot of jet lag. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a crazy year, you know. Twenty three races, the most busy schedule that that Formula One's ever had. I'm actually missing the first race. I'm not going to be in Bahrain. It's my daughter's birthday, and I promised her oh. that I'd be at home for her birthday, and I wouldn't miss it. So I'm actually missing the first Grand Prix for the first time in man, like over a decade, actually. Uh, really. Wow. So I'm going to be just like you guys. I'm going to be sat at home watching it um, and just, you know. Well, we're hoping to get out there. Yeah, we're hoping <laughs> okay, to get out there. So you'll be there. I'll be at home. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm just going to have my feet up. Feet up with a glass of wine watching the, watching the opening race. Really excited for it, actually. That's actually a nice way to watch it, I think. Um... Even if you're at home, you get to see the whole track then. So yeah, that's no, it's cool. it's gonna be it's gonna be great. And I, you know what, I love watching it at home uh, sometimes. Just sort of taking myself out of it, 
Um, and watching the, the, the brilliant broadcasting that goes on, you know, whether it's watching Channel 4 or whether it's watching, you know, the Sky Stuff or, or wherever I'm or on F1 TV. It's, 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 it's really fun as a broadcaster. I really like watching all the three different broadcasts and seeing how everyone's doing it slightly differently, um, stealing some ideas, you know, just to see who's, uh, yeah, yeah. who's got a little march on what we're doing. So it's, yeah, it's, it's great. I really enjoy it as well. And I get to enjoy, you know, listening to Alex Jakes do, do, do comms on, on Channel 4 or Crofty or, you know, our guys on F1 TV. So it's, it's, it's really fun. It's really good just to... Just to experience, you know, to get yourself out of it a little bit, because you can become a little bit insular, you can become a little bit lost in the bubble, because you're constantly there in Formula One. So it's it's nice to take a little bit of a step out and um, experience it as a fan, and re and remember what it's, you know, what everyone at home is watching, so you can take that back and hopefully improve on it for next time. 100%. Yeah, and Fab said to me yesterday when we were speaking about this, he said that not that your journey is similar to ours, but he said that you started out very much as like a fan and journalist writing. And we wanted to talk to you about that, of how you got from there to where you are now, because, mm. you know, we're just startup F1 fans. And to be honest with you, like five, six races ago, we'd never watched it. Amazing. We'd never been to a Grand Prix. I love and it. now we're completely addicted, trying to figure everything out. Our audience think we're really stupid. Some people love it. Some people hate That's it. That's okay. My audience, <laughs> wanted... the majority of the F1 audience think I'm stupid as well. So it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's <laughs> the course. Okay, great. <laughs> um yeah so so you basically just like i'd love to hear about your early life yeah, and how you got into it i mean look i'm kind of I, I still pinch myself you know i'm 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 living the ultimate dream i was an f1 fan from the earliest age you know some of my earliest memories are kind of sat in front of a tv with my dad watching watching formula one in the 80s with senna and prost and all those guys and mm. um i just loved it i just totally loved it and i never thought that you know a career in in broadcasting or tv would be something that i could do because murray walker was the voice of formula one and you couldn't take murray's job because that's what murray i'm gonna be completely honest sometimes you're gonna say names and we're not gonna have a clue okay <laughs> so murray walker um, he's thinking oh no he's thinking, oh, no, it's okay. this, is, this is great this is giving me a really good insight into how basic i'm gonna have to go um, <laughs> uh, murray walker is it's like, it's the voice of Formula One. So if you ever watch a video from the old days of Formula One in like the 70s or the 80s, and there's a, a guy with a, who's really like, sounds like his, his underpants are on fire. You know, oh my God, you know, that's Murray Walker. Oh, okay, yeah, He's like yeah, yeah. the voice of Formula One. Go, go, go. Like just, oh, oh yeah, yeah, of course we know. That's Murray, that is, that's Murray. And, and he was the voice of Formula One for decades. And it's like, well, that's Murray's job. That's not a job that I could ever do. You know, because you just didn't, mm. you didn't think Murray was ever going to retire from the sport. Um, and I loved writing. I wanted to write about Formula One, um, mainly because when I was 13, Ayrton Senna, who was my, my huge hero as, as a kid, uh, was killed at the San Marino Grand Prix in 1994. And none of my mates really understood it because they all liked football and, and footballers didn't really drop down down dead. And, and, and here was this very kind of real moment in in this sport of of mortality and my dad bought me my first copy of autosport magazine that week and motorsport news magazine and in what was being written on those pages it kind of helped me come to terms with the loss of this guy that i'd always thought was going to be immortal um mm. and that was the day i decided i wanted to write about formula one i wanted to write about it help kids that that whose mates didn't really understand formula one make them feel like people understood them uh, and that's all sure. I've ever wanted to do um, is just explain to people why I love this thing um, and hopefully make them love it too. And, and 
Um, I was really lucky. I, 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 I went to university and I studied politics and I wrote my politics thesis on the politics of Formula One, which my lecturers hated. Like they thought it was, it was absolute bullshit. And I found it a couple of years ago and it was genuinely terrible. Um, but, um, I sent it to the guys at Formula One magazine and David Tremaine, who'd been one of my heroes as a journalist at growing up. And he thought it was it, it was kind of cool and, and gave me some work experience straight out of university. So um, I did a couple of weeks work experience at Formula One magazine. And then I took in like a, a sleeping bag and a pillow on the last day. And they said, what's that for? And I said, I'm not leaving. And they said, don't worry, you don't oh, have wow. to. We're, we're giving you a job. And um, and that was, God, 21-ish years ago. So it's been, yeah, two decades of, of just traveling the world and and making my way from one job to another over all that time and somehow ending up doing the thing I never thought I'd do which is you know being on TV and and talking about it which is just it still seems yeah. crazy to me that is crazy I bet it doesn't feel like 21 years either no I still feel like I'm I still feel like I'm 21 don't look like I'm 21 anymore but I, I still feel, <laughs> still feel like the, the jet lag 20 years of international travel has taken its toll mostly on my forehead I think the I the, 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 the ripples the ruffles the many sort of haggard lines in my in my now 40 plus years of forehead it's uh, it's it's all coming true I hope you're not contemplating Botox or anything like that. No, goodness, no. No, no, no. I need to, need, need to keep that. Can you imagine? I wouldn't be able to, wouldn't be able to smile. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to see it. I hate that stuff. Strange, <laughs> you're too young for Botox. You don't need that. <laughs> cool. All right. Because we had done like a bit of research on you. So we knew some things like that. Yeah, the first things we found out about you when uh -oh. we watched Drive to Survive. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. Uh-oh. So we saw you on Drive to Survive. Uh, we saw you, obviously... At the races, hosting stuff. Isn't it Paddock Pass? Yeah. Did, did you do that? Yeah. Yeah, Paddock Pass. Look at that. We got one thing right. Wow, so you smashed that. We got Congratulations. That. Right. That, yeah. <laughs> Don't know who Murray Walker is, but we'll give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And we told our friends that um, we were doing an interview with you. And we and the first thing they said is they knew you as the guy that you cannot skip on F1 2021. When oh. you do your interview and it comes up, oh, can't skip God. it. That's how they knew you. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Of all of the death threats sent my way on social media each week, I'd say a good 50% of them are about the non-skippable scenes in, uh, in F1 2021. So. <laughs> That's so, it's so funny that other people can relate to that. That's cool. I think it's so sick you're in the game. I... That would be my dream to be in a game like that. What was it like filming that? How oh, does it work? Oh man, I got to tell you, crazy. So I grew up, I grew up playing. So I've I've still got a Game Boy and a Game Gear, and I've got Super Monaco. What were the earliest games? Yeah, let's go. Super to the Monaco beginning. Grand Prix on the Game Gear, and Nigel Mansell's 1992 World Championship Challenge on the Game Boy. I've still got them. Um, wow. They're actually in the downstairs loo because it's better than reading the newspaper on the toilet. You've got got a Game Boy yeah. there. It's great. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, I grew up watching, you know, tiny little, you know, pixels and, and that's how I grew up playing racing games. And um, so to be asked to be in a, in a, in an F1 game was just nuts to me. And I said, yeah, sure, you know, of course, a thousand percent thinking I was just going to go in and do some voiceover work or something like that. And they said, okay, cool. Well, we're going to be at Pinewood Studios on this date. And I'm like, that's, that sounds quite serious for a, for a voiceover session. And I arrived and, um, and it's a motion capture studio. And they you put... Did you have no idea about this? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, and so they put me in this, you know, this skin tight gray suit, you know, with all the little white bobbles all over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they start putting the black dots on my face. Um, and then the headset, which has a camera in the front of it and all of that. And 
I just spent a day running around this this uh, soundstage where they'd done like literally you have to walk in past the James Bond uh, stage wow, that's and they were filming sick. Black Widow next door. So there's like Scarlett Johansson walking past and all this. And I'm like, this is just, this is mental. Um, and yeah, so I spent the day on a, on a, on a mocap stage um, at Pinewood Studios running around pretending to be me um, <laughs> in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, an F1 paddock that's basically just pieces of tape on the floor uh, and a microphone that is just a, a, a metal bar and has white dots on the end of it, so it looks like a microphone, and um, they know which end is the top and which end is the bottom, and just, yeah, like, and then and then I go back behind the screens to watch what I've just done, and there's a computer-generated version of me in a computer-generated paddock walking around, so watching the that replays of it, oh, I'm so like, you get to watch it back live, yeah, that's cool. It's like, it was in, insane, because I've just filmed this thing in this completely empty room, but for pieces of yellow tape and green tape and things sort of denoting where a motorhome is or where a stack of tires is supposed to be. It was just, it's completely crazy, but brilliant. Like the most fun out of, out of everything I've done in 20 years is probably the most unexpected hmm. and really just one of the most fun things I've, I've ever done. Like who would... Who would ever expect to have to do that? It's, it's crazy. No, it's so cool. That's I'd love crazy. to be in a game. We're both big gamers. We always have been. We've always played so many games, you know, like FIFA and Modern yeah. Warfare 2. And we've been Call of Duty people. We played so many games. But, but to now be in it's, a game, all, it's all F1 2021 now. That's all we play. Yeah, it's Is that it? all we that's play. It. We're terrible yeah. at it. We're at, that's why we have to keep restarting. Have, and you, have, we you, just got the wheel, have you got the wheel yet? Or are you still on the controller? <laughs> no, no. Controller. we're all controller. <laughs> Not being funny, I'm still on the controller. <laughs> I can't get I yeah. can't get used to to to, uh, to wheel and pedals even over lockdown because um, I think my other half would have killed me if I'd bought you know the seat and the pedals and the screen and yeah, just we locked really myself in a room set. for six months. Um, <laughs> but it was yeah, so I'm yeah I'm safe. I'm still a controller all the way. But I I mean like back in the day there used to be a great game called Grand Prix Two back in like 1994, and it was a great it was a great cheat on that which was if you toggled F1 uh, on and off on the keyboard, because that was not even a handheld controller, it was all on the keyboard. Uh, a was accelerate, Z was brake, and F1 was, was your automatic brakes. So I would accelerate way past the brake markers until I was literally about 10 meters off the apex, hit F1 and the computer would stop you in time for the corner, and then I'd always make the apex and be able to get out again. So I would like blitz the lap times. That's, that's funny. It's funny what you said about getting used to the the steering wheel and the pedals and that. I mean, have you ever actually had the chance to to get in a Formula One car? Yeah, I've driven two Formula One cars. So I drove uh, Damon Hill's 1997 Arrows, which Panasonic had actually taken control of and used to do like media days in it. And I did that way back in, I want to say 2003, I think I, I did that. Mm. Um, and... Uh, and then a couple of years ago, Lotus invited me down to Circuit Paul Ricard to drive the E20, um, which was crazy fun, like really, really great. Um, and just a, just a brilliant day. Um, you only get one lap. And the reason you only get one lap is because you spend the morning in like the Formula Renault cars and stuff like that. And then they put you in the F1 car. You go out, you do one lap, come in. And then you sit there for about half an hour going, ah, oh, you know, if I'd done this or I'd done that and I should have braked later yeah. here and I could have accelerated. That's why you only get one lap because you'd go out for your second mm. lap and you'd be like, 
yeah, I'm going to totally Lewis Hamilton this. Like, I'm going to absolutely kill it. And then yeah. you'd be in the wall. So uh, yeah, you yeah, only get one lap. But uh, That's what we always say. We want to do some kind of race. We want to have some kind of segment down the line where we get people on. No, obviously, we're not going to be able to get in Formula One cars. <laughs> I, I've got an automatic license. I wouldn't be able to drive one anyway. <laughs> but we want to get like guests on and celebrities on and do time trials at some point. It'd at be track incredible. In, like Fab's golf. We'll take your yeah. golf out. Nice. Yeah. 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 Down, to the, down to the supermarket it. and back again. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, the, yeah. that's the ultimate driving challenge. How hard is it to drive the car when you got in it? What, what was your first thought? Hard. Really hard. The, the 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 most difficult thing is the brakes because you have to keep the brakes at the right temperature, um, and it takes a lot of force to hit that brake and to actually slow the car down. And if you just smash your foot against the brake, you lock the brake. So it's 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 incredible oh. how strong the drivers have to be, how strong that left leg has to be, not only to absolutely nail the force on the brake to slow the car down, but to actually have the sensitivity and the feeling to not lock the brake. And if you do lock it, to just gently kind of ease off to allow the mm. the car to slow down properly without completely knackering your tire. So it's, yeah, it's 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 just part of the sort of really immense physicality that the drivers need and, and the huge amount of training that they go through. Um, that is crazy. We, we've actually watched a little bit of the training that, that they do, didn't we? We've seen on like on YouTube, uh, on Instagram, there's clips where they're like testing out their neck. Oh man, yeah, 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 yeah. And that. like, and so yeah, training the neck, trying trying to turn their neck with the with the weight attached to it, trying to turn the wheel with the with the big weights attached to it. It's it's crazy. Like they have to train like boxers, but have the endurance of marathon runners. Like it's 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 so crazy intense. People who think it's just jumping in a car, driving to the supermarket on a Sunday, like it's one of mm. the most extreme sports from a physical perspective that exists in the world you know they'll lose like what is it i think they'll lose like four kilos or something of body weight at singapore and that's all just sweat just pouring out of them so you think about how much fluid they're losing and then sometimes their drinks bottle won't work and how much you know that kind of detracts from the uh, mental accuracy that that you'd have from from the pure sort of physical exertion of it as well how how tired and fatigued they they become it is such an intense sport, you know, the G-forces that they go through in the car. Because when you hit that brake, you know, your, your your head wants to fly forward. It's in, the, it's in the hands device, obviously, but you've suddenly got the weight of the helmet that's like five times as heavy as it should be. Yeah. It's, it's it's ridiculously intense. Mm. No, they're definitely a, they're like a different breed, aren't they? And I suppose it must be similar to jockeys where... You have to make. You have to try and still be as light as possible. To yeah, go as and, as, and as small as, as possible. I think they, they always, you know, yeah. designers always say their ideal driver is like forty-five kilos and about four foot, because then you can move this, the the you can move the ballast around in the car and play with it more. But mm. yeah, like anyone who's, who's the tallest driver on the grid now, the heaviest driver, who's the tallest driver, no, tallest, the tallest think, driver on the uh, grid, uh, Ocon, Ocon or George, probably the 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 two two tallest guys. Like Ocon right. is really tall and lanky. Um, uh, Hulkenberg used to be the heaviest. Like if you're anywhere over sort of 75 to 80 kilos, if you're, yeah, like if you're over 78, 79 kilos, you're heavy, mm. really heavy. So about sort of 70 to 75 is kind of, I think is around, is around decent, decent weight for an F1 driver. That's good to know. Yeah, it's good. Within yeah. the weight. It's good to, it just proves that I'll, ne- <laughs> I'll never be an F1 like driver. Like you look, you look at IndyCar and the guys in IndyCar are really muscly in their upper body because there's no power steering. They've really got to wrestle the, the wheel, wrestle oh, wow. the car around. 
This is what I wanted to ask you, and it might be really obvious, but what are the main differences between like IndyCar and F1? And so Formula E Formula is e electric, I'm guessing. In, yeah, Formula E is electric, so it's like direct drive. Um, IndyCar is a little slower than F1. Um, higher speed when they do the Indy 500. I think they're hitting 240 as an average for the wow. lap, something like that, at Indianapolis, which is just crazy. Um, wow. But... There's no power steering in IndyCar. It's pretty much the same car for everybody, but with two different types of engine in the back. And then they have different kind of aero setups depending on if they're going to road and street courses or on ovals. Whereas in Formula One, everything's bespoke. Everything is unique, dependent on the team. Like you look at the 10 cars that have been released this year for the, for the new season with this new set of regulations, and every single one is, they all look different. They're mm. all yeah. just, they've, they've taken these new set of regulations and each team has interpreted them in a different way. Each one has, has found a solution in a very different way to the others. So you can really see how unique Formula One is really this year with the first year of a new set of regulations because every single car is, is completely different. So it's, it's, I, love, I love times like this because it's just fascinating to see how different it is. Have you got a chance to kind of get up close and personal with some of the new cars? Not yet. At all? I've totally Not avoided yet. the preseason. Like I completely, <laughs> I missed. I've missed all the launches. I've missed the first week of not testing, testing. Um, but I'm going out to Bahrain, so the first time I'm going to see them is is for Bahrain next week. Um, Sweet. So yeah, pretty excited. And that's about for that. more testing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Three day, three days of preseason test. So normally the rules had changed. In the last few years, that they were only going to get three days of preseason testing. But with the new cars, they asked for three extra days of preseason testing, which I got told was just going to be like a shakedown, like an extended shakedown. So no media coverage at all. Nobody there, just kind of behind closed doors, just so the teams could get to grips with the new cars. Um, but it then turned out that loads of media were going out and it wasn't going to be televised. And it was sort of going to be more of a test than a shakedown. But by that point, I'd already said that I, I'd thought it was a shakedown because that's what I'd been told. And I'd already booked my trip to IndyCar. So <laughs> I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to head to the States. And, uh, and it was great just watching, watching the gang do what they do out there, um, seeing, all of the, uh, seeing all of the sort of updates flying in from, from the guys was, was, was great. Just, uh, I bet. It's, again, it's been fun just kind of learning what's, what's been happening through, uh, through everyone on the ground. Has been, it's been really good. But I can't wait to get out there. can't wait to see them can't wait to it's really weird because because the cars have a certain smell because they all use different fuels and oils and stuff like that so each car it sounds really stupid but when you're in the pit lane each car like has a really distinct smell um wow cool. i want to smell them i just oh, want to go and that. see a car but it was i, I can't the, even imagine I think, it. i've never been like, back in the day the the force india used to smell like um nail polish remover but the <laughs> um and the the sauber every time it went past it smelled like you know when you put like a steak on a on a on a griddle and it's just been on there too long and it just catches mm. a little bit and burns. It kind of used to smell like that, which was really funny because they had a Burger King sponsorship for a while, and I always thought it smelled <laughs> a little bit flame grilled. But yeah, each car has a unique smell. That's it's jokes. it's so bizarre, but it's it's really cool. Yeah, we're learning. We're learning new stuff. We're learning loads straight yeah. from the source. <laughs> <laughs> That's How cool. was it at the uh, end of last season then? So obviously the, one of the greatest seasons of Oof. all time and you're there. Crazy. Uh, my main question is, after everything happened at the final race, what was the party like? What goes on after? I want to know Dude, what happens they're, they're, when so, it's all off TV. So I didn't go to any parties at the end of last year. Um, the reason being that 
we were waiting about three hours after the race until we had an for, absolute... For the verdicts and stuff, yeah. yeah. A definitive That's answer of, yeah, of yeah. who the champion was. So um, I had two sets of questions ready for Lewis and Max, depending on what the stewards decided as to whether, you know, it was going to stand or it wasn't going to stand. And mm. I was just waiting. And I didn't know who was going to walk up the stairs to be interviewed. Um, well. And it was Max. And I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, let's go. Um, but yeah, afterwards, it was so late at night. We ended up ordering some pizzas um, and had a few few glasses of wine. And we were, we were still, because everyone was still writing uh, and we were still creating yeah. the end of season kind of, you know, wrap up videos because it was only then we were able to say who who the champion was so no parties uh for us but there was a party downstairs at the hotel which was the red bull party and that went on i think pretty much all night uh we read about that <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah. was pretty it's funny um sounded like a big it's one it's quite funny it's quite funny what you said about like having two sets of questions and not knowing who was going to win because that's kind of similar to what happened oh, to yeah. us but on a much much smaller scale before we started the podcast we were just making graphics um and jake was trying to make a winner's post for instagram of like who won but because we didn't know for ages like I'd you had a ages hamilton... on this hamilton one and out of nowhere i got to make a verstappen one and we're not ready literally after the safety car we were like fuck we're gonna have to change <laughs> yeah. this make a new one make a new one <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We, we were watching it as new fans not really understanding what was even going on don't worry about it, it. Was... i think i think there were fans of like 20 30 years who were watching it not really knowing what was going on it was a pretty yeah. it was a pretty mad final few laps like it was crazy yeah it was exciting and we've said that we loved how it ended in the aspect of there was so many new fans watching it right that if it had ended under a safety car and it would just it would it, it just yeah. ended and nothing happened and Verstappen didn't have a chance a lot of them new fans would have just probably switched off or be yeah. like oh that was boring so in the aspect of bringing in new fans and for the sport I think it was a great thing it was look it, it was a really thrilling finale because I mean let's face it like after Lewis didn't give back the lead at the start um he pretty much walked away with it. And it wasn't the most exciting race in the whole world. But then under the safety car, you're like, is this, is this whole thing going to finish under the safety car? And you're right. It would, have been, it would have been a really disappointing end to the season if it had finished under the safety car. But then the way in which lap cars aren't going to be allowed to unlap themselves, now they are, but only some of yeah, them. Yeah, I agree. It was like, we, we were all kind of standing there like, What's going on? The The immediate reaction from all of us on the ground was as soon as Latifi put it in the bin, pretty much everyone in the paddock kind of turned around to each other and went, they've got to red flag it. Because Lando had had a puncture, I think, either because of that or maybe the lap before, I'm not sure. So there was an excuse. There was a reason for them to red flag it because there was clearly deb debris out there on track. And then they didn't. But if they had, we would have had like a five lap sprint to the end with Lewis on fresh tyres, Max on fresh tyres, let's go which would have been yeah. nuts. Gnarly. But then we're like, they're behind the safety car and we're like, okay, they'll let the cars go. We'll get the restart. And then they said, they're not going to allow the lap cars to unlap themselves. And we thought, well, that doesn't make any sense because surely they want to have this, this fight on the last lap. And then only some of the cars unlap themselves. And, we, and at the time we were just like, that, okay, that doesn't make much sense. But oh my God, we're going to have a fight for the end. Yeah. We got the fight for the end and then the fallout afterwards because obviously some of the cars hadn't been let through and some of them had and all of that. And it was just, I've never known, I've never known an atmosphere like it um, or an experience like it. 
Um, and I think, you know, there was there was a lot of sort of happiness for Max because it's been such a dominant period for Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton. And I think if anybody thinks that there was like bias against Lewis, that everybody was against Lewis because they wanted somebody else to win, that's not that's not accurate in any way. I think there was there was a lot of excitement because all you want is to see a fight. All you want is to see the competition for the world championship and to see someone take it to Mercedes, whether it's Ferrari or McLaren or Red, it doesn't matter. You just want to see a fight for the world championship. There's between yeah, yeah, two or more teams or two or more drivers. Um, mm. And so the fact that, 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 that we had this fight was amazing. The fact that we had this, this incredible young world champion was amazing. You know, you, you're, you're gutted for Lewis because, my God, if he'd pulled that off for his eighth world title, undoubtedly probably the best comeback, the most amazing world championship of the eight that he would have ever won. Yeah. Um, they, the comeback was, was insane because that's yeah, when we started was, watching. Our first race was like him on his comeback. So yeah. we just watched Lewis in this incredible form. I couldn't believe it. So you've, and it gets to the final race. You've lucked in, right? Because basically you've, you've come to Formula One and all you've seen is Lewis Hamilton at his best. Because we yeah. also didn't know how good these people are. We didn't have any idea. And we didn't even know there was a title battle on No Joke. <laughs> we watched it, not because of all the stuff we'd seen online and all this close on points. We just got so into it from Drive to Survive. That was literally it. We Amazing. watched Drive to Survive. And I, for me, it was, I love the way they showcased the whole thing. Um, and you could just follow more than just the race, which I really liked. Yeah. That makes me really excited for the new season. But th that's, that's the mad thing with Drive to Survive, actually, is it all kind of happened by mistake because they, they, they were brought in to, to come and document the sport. And in the first season, Mercedes and Ferrari said, nah, we don't want anything to do with this. Thanks. So, and Mercedes and Ferrari at the time were the two teams that were fighting for the world championship. So, so the Netflix guys had to suddenly turn around and say, well, shit, what do we do? Like, who do we cover? And yeah. they had to look for the other stories. They had to look for the human stories and find, you know, crazy sweary Gunther and you know, Danny, yeah, we love Gunther. We, well, I love Haas. Just solely from that, I loved Haas. I just thought yeah, they were Jake's class. a big Haas fan. I just found because I support Arsenal as well. So the fact that they don't ever win anything just was perfect for me. Yeah, perfect. But apparently for you. they were good before. <laughs> apparently Haas were good before. So yeah, well, That's well, in the early in the early season, like when they came in. They were scoring, you know, pretty good results, scoring points pretty regularly, and then they started to slide off. Um, but they found them, they found Ricardo, they found, you know, all these really great stories. And so then for season two, Mercedes and Ferrari were like, we definitely want to be in it now. But by that yeah. point, the die was already cast because season one could have just been about the championship battle, and then it would have been a very different series to the one it ended up being, which was about the personalities and about the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And I think that made it a way better, more immersive uh, series for the, for the guys that were making it. And clearly, you know, for you guys who, you know, weren't fans and got drawn in, you know, by, by I imagine those, you know, those, those amazing storylines that are like, oh, it's not just about guys driving around in circles. Like there's actually... Yeah, definitely. I think the way, I think the way it planned out for them was actually perfect for new fans because they were able to come on this uh, journey of what it's like for the drivers and then witness more and then you learn more about these drivers throughout the years. And It just shows that they're sort of real human beings as well. Do you know what I mean? Behind, oh, yeah. Totally. Because you never, obviously, you don't get to hear them talk when they're driving apart from the, the radio comms, but like... Drive to Survive, it definitely brought the human element back. That's, that's sure, it. Which... It's kind of, 
It's weird, isn't it? Because, you know, you sort of see them walking around and you hear the interviews, but when they're in there doing their thing, you don't really see them, um, mm. you know, because they're, 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 they're very much hidden. You know, when I first got into Formula One, the drivers were very present. You could see kind of the shoulders and their neck and their heads above the, because the cockpit used to be very low, kind of down about here on their, just underneath their shoulder. That just sounds so dangerous to me. Yeah, though. totally. They were so raised up in the car that you could see them. And when they were driving, you could see the hands and, you know, their elbows. And, you know, there's a there's a, a an expression sort of from back in the 60s when a driver's kind of being a bit wild. And you say, he's all arms and elbows. Because that's all you can see is, is you know, his arms <laughs> and his elbows <laughs> moving around like that. Right. Um, and that's... You know that that you 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 got the real human element of it because you could see them, you could see what they were doing. But now, as it's become more and more safe, you see less and less of the driver. So I think I think you're right. You know, having that human element and learning about their families and you know what they care about and what they love and all of that, it makes them very very human. Um, and then you realise the danger element, and you suddenly realise how actually quite heroic this sport is that it is still inherently dangerous that people can be and have been killed doing it you know and they pull on the helmet every single day get in and drive as fast as they can it's 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 the most amazing sport it is it's, it is crazy i think um drive to survive has helped a lot with with exposing a lot of stuff like that around formula one have you noticed a change when you're at the races? I mean, is it like a different vibe now? Does it feel different than it did like 20 years ago? Yeah, massively, massively. It's, um, it's, always, been, um, it's always been pretty amazing being at, at an F1 race and the atmosphere has been, and pretty much always has been pretty electric when you're, when you're trackside because the fans just go, go crazy. But in terms of fans waiting for drivers and not just drivers, but like team bosses and, and people like that, um, the real the real show was this year in in Austin in Texas because there's a like a tunnel that takes you out of the track and you rise up this tunnel to to the car park and drive out through the car park and normally it's dead you know there's no one there and this year there was just a traffic jam because at the top of the of the ramp were just people just screaming at every car getting people to put their windows down and wanting photos with the mechanics and wow. the engineers and team bosses and everyone wow. and and posing for selfies and getting autographs and it was mad it was absolutely mad um yeah i can imagine i want one of my men i want to meet gunther <laughs> <laughs> everyone wants to party with gunther He's i've a got dude. a um I, you, you'll probably know more about the whole situation than us, but episode one, I gave we did five predictions each at the beginning of the season. And one of mine was that if Mazepin gets a point this season, I'll get a tattoo of him. But now there's loads of talk that Mazepin might not even be racing. Uh, yeah. But yeah. do you think Mazepin might get a point this season if he is? <laughs> How safe could I be? It, if you said, I mean, I think if you put that bet on Mick Schumacher, then you might be getting a Mick Schumacher tattoo. Um, the crazy thing is, because last year, um, obviously everybody, the, the new cars were supposed to be introduced last year rather than this year, but because of COVID and the pandemic and everybody, you know, needs to save a bit of money and it will be a bit stressful. They decided to, to hold the cars back for a year to this year. So yeah. most of the teams developed their car so that they could be competitive last year. Only team that didn't do that was Haas. So Haas yep. basically stuck, stuck on a year-old car, which is why it was a dreadful season for them in 2021, just mm. to get through to 2022. So they've had a year or more to put everything into this car. So the car that turned up in Barcelona 
everybody said was it was one of the most developed cars of any of them there because they've had the longest well, to actually go into it and yeah, try and create this really other good car. teams were like looking at what they've done. Yeah. So, mate, it looks like you probably could be getting a Mazepin tattoo then. <laughs> after all that, all that fun and games. After all of that. After <laughs> all I'd of love that. a little Mazepin tattoo. <laughs> That's hilarious. I've got worse tattoos, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, we, we Haven't are. we all? Haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> What's your worst tattoo? <laughs> I couldn't possibly tell you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's so funny. bad it's so bad I had it covered up but even the one I got it covered up with now I look at it and I'm like I don't want that it's one that's hilarious. So yeah, we do these predictions like um, every podcast. So like, what would be one of your predictions for this coming season, 2022? What do you predict that is probably going to happen? So I, I've had a bit of a tradition recently of making predictions that came true. So I predicted that oh. I predicted that Carlos would leave McLaren and go to Ferrari that Ricardo would leave uh, Renault and go to McLaren. Um, and I think I, pre- I... Oh, I predicted that that Vettel would get on the podium in Turkey two years ago. I mean, the fact that wow, it's just... Wow, I'm going to start putting some bets on this. Um, <laughs> do you know what? Okay, so here's, here's, the, here's the mad thing, right? Is normally this time of year you can make some predictions because you've got some ideas coming out of testing but it's in, it's almost impossible to make any predictions this year because everything is new there's going to be so much development through the first 3 days of testing in in Bahrain and then through the early races as well as people get to understand their cars as people see on uh you know oh hold on what's as people see on um other cars things that they like things that they want to put onto their onto their cars um, there's going to be so many changes that I think making any prediction now, like over who's going to win the championship or anything like that, I think it's it's way way too early to say. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think George and Lewis are going to get on. <laughs> oh, okay. Whoa. Well, in our prediction yesterday, we had to say where we think everyone's going to finish. I said I think Russell will finish third, and he said tenth in the overall driver's standards. Really? So, well, so, so, yeah. so here's the thing, right? So Mercedes have a really big decision to make, right? Because as you guys saw at the tail end of last year, when you get Lewis's back up against the wall, he comes out swinging, and when he comes out swinging, he's pretty much unbeatable. So yeah. after Abu Dhabi, like he's pissed, right? He wants. He wants retribution. He wants revenge. He is going to come out swinging and and mm. probably be the most potent form of Lewis Hamilton that we've ever seen. He wants to obliterate everyone and leave the sport in no doubt that he's the greatest there's ever been. Take his eighth world championship by annihilating the field, right? But that means also annihilating George. And Mercedes need George to be the future of their team. They don't want him to be a wingman. They don't want him to be a number two. They want him to be the heir to Lewis Hamilton, to take that team, to lead it into the future. But if you pummel George along with the rest of the field in this season and leave him obliterated, you've just undone all the work that you've put into creating this guy, bringing him up and saying, you're going to lead our team in the future. Because then he's done. He's toast. So, like, what what do you do if you're Mercedes? Like, how do you... How do you look after that relationship? It's going to be really tough for them. It's well, tricky. It's really tricky because they, I mean, obviously they have to look after Lewis Hamilton. Like he is their star driver and the best in F1. But so he's like not. They have to. But he's not their future. 
No. Yeah. You know, no, like, like, like I believe they got so rid of Bottas. I thought they should have kept Bottas for one more year. I love Bottas and we're new fans, <laughs> so we don't really know the real meaning behind this stuff. But my opinion was, why is Bottas gone? Bottas oh, we have was to great. say it. We have to say it Bottas because everyone's oh, been yeah. rinsing us in Bottas. the comments for that. Bot- no Bottas. 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 <laughs> yeah, I liked him. I thought he was a great driver. Right, he is a great yeah, driver, and he'll still be around. He's still at Alfa Romeo. He's still. But you know, the the, the thing with the Mears is like they all had to look to the future. So Ferrari had got their young drivers on board with, with Leclerc and Sainz. Red Bull have got Max, who's clearly their future. McLaren yeah. have got Lando, who's their future. Who is Mercedes' future? Because, yeah, mm. Lewis is the best potentially of all time, but he's in his late 30s. He's not going to be around forever. So where's, who's their future? Where's their future? They had to bring George in because all of their rivals were set for the future. And Mercedes were, were, were purely focused on the now. And Lewis is, I think, inarguably one of the greatest of all time, possibly the greatest of all time, but he's not their future. So how do they yeah. ensure that he can come back, swing for this eighth world title, but not completely take the wind out of George and leave him like an empty bag blowing in the wind? You know, like it's really hard for them, really yeah. properly hard. Um, and I love that. I think that's going to be an incredible kind of narrative for the season uh, of just like, how do they... How do they get that? Yeah, balance I can't right? wait to see how they get on together. I can't wait to see how they race together. I can't wait to see the strategies. It's going to be amazing because yeah. George plays nice, right? George plays nice, like like he's really kind of, you know, going to be very juiceful and learn from Lewis. But everything we've ever seen from George, like he's a he's a winner. He's going yeah. out there. He doesn't want to finish second. He's not going out there to be number two. He's going out there to obliterate Lewis as well. And the last time they had two drivers that were going against each other, it was Hamilton and Rosberg, and they ended up taking each other out of races. They ended up mm-hmm. absolutely hating each other. It was poisonous. So they've got to make sure they don't go back to that again. It's, cool. it's going to be, be crazy. Big, that, this, that could this, be a big old drive to survive season. Have, then, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, just, just the F1 season in general is going to be sick already. I know it. It's going to yeah, be so good. Wait. It's going to be great. You're it. You're doing the new Drive Survive, aren't you? That's out on the 11th of March. That's out on the 11th of March. Yes, I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So is it like before you got your interviews or how are you in it this time? So, so yeah, like before, so doing the interviews. So basically I, I, I get interviewed all the way through the year, um, probably about five or six times at different points through the year. And then, yeah. um, and they always tell me to like, you know, wear the same shirt so they can mix and match and put it all around <laughs> everywhere. And I don't know what the series looks like and I don't know how they've used what I've said literally until you guys do like until, when you watch it i'm watching it for oh, the first wow, time really you don't so i'm even kind get of sitting there biting my finger and i was like oh shit what did i say you know because oh, <laughs> like, it would have been oh, a year God. before um that <laughs> yeah, i've done yeah, the yeah. first the first interview um mm. usually i i would have done the first interview at testing so i'll do the first interview for the next season before the last season's been released um and uh and yes you never know you're like who did I say I thought I'd done well after testing? Because you come out and go, ah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you know what? Williams is looking great after testing. And then, they, then they're just looking terrible. So you, you, never, you never know. Like, it's really hard. It's re- and, but I love it. It's, it's, it's really fun. They're a great team. They're a great crew. They're great to work with. And, um, you know, it's bringing in new fans all the time. It, and it's, it's just it's lovely to see so many people getting involved in the sport and, and starting to love it. That's really cool. You must be there must be quite a few points throughout your career now where you feel kind of really proud of what you've done. Is there like a standout moment in general, like where you just thought, "Wow, I've oh. actually I've done it." I mean, all the time. I'm just I feel I'm I'm really proud to do something that I love, something that maybe means something to people and that they enjoy. Um, 
you know, all I ever wanted to do was talk about about racing, talk about what I love, and and hopefully get other people to love it too. But and um, you know, every now and then you might get a little message from someone that just said, "I started watching Formula One because you know because of, of you in Drive to Survive or you know whatever it might mm. be," and that's that means a huge amount. That's that that's massive because I love this sport and I just want other people to love it too. So yeah, it's really I'm just. Yeah, I'm I'm hugely if anyone, you know, ever had has watched anything I've ever done and they liked it, that's enough for me. I'm 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 hugely proud of that because it's What did we watch? We watched on YouTube or I watched it. I think you were there as well. You trying to drop the word hass into like loads oh, of different sentences. Me. Like, yeah, that was so fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I love the video driving with yours Russell. Is it I think it's Russell. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, did Russell. Russell. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, you're yeah, asking yeah. him like what his favorite pizza is and he sat there like I'm, I'm trying to drive. <laughs> <laughs> It's That's great. Nice. It's great fun. You know, it's really great fun to, to be able to hang with these guys. And I think one of the cool, like one of the, maybe one of the proudest things, maybe one of the coolest things, this is a total name drop, um, is the fact that like, I know like Mario Andretti knows who I am. Like, and so I, and I bumped into, so Mario Andretti guys, by the way, is the last American to win a world championship. And probably one of the greatest racing drivers of all time. Like you could put him in any car in any era and he, and he would just win, like just mm. one of the all time greats. He was 82 this week. He still drives the two seat IndyCar car before every race. And, literally gives it full beans like properly beans it around wow. the track um he's an absolute legend and like the fact this total legend of the sport kind of like you know i bumped into him in the paddock and he's like yeah will how's it going i'm like that i'm oh, pr- i'm so oh, proud yeah, of that, that is like, sick. that's amazing that's amazing i love that but no as i said like are you um anybody are knows, you friends with all the drivers friends is an exact would be an exaggeration it's not like it was I think in the like the the, the 60s or 70s or, or or 80s there's you know there's there's a there's a definite gap and there, there has to be you know you have to have a professional detachment from from the guys um because you you know you can't well, yeah, be biased. because you might have to you never know what questions you're gonna have to be asking these people right? totally so, totally um and and then there's the other side of it as well which is you know if 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 the worst happens you've got to you could you know you've got to keep it together and you've got to keep it cool and not get overly yeah. emotional about it so um yeah, yeah like I, I, yeah i yeah i there are a couple who i would say are you know who are our friends um and you know we'll, we'll text and, and and all that sort of you know every, every now and then or like when i was ill or whatever you know if, if i miss a race or you know when i got covid or whatever who you know who sort of you know sent messages or, or that kind of stuff or you'd go and hang with and maybe have dinner with every now and then or something like that so yeah mm. not all of them by any means um but a few they're you know and i think but that's just it's the same in life isn't it you know you're not not friends with it but you but there, there has to be yeah, a yeah. Uh, there has to be a professional detachment from it you absolutely you, you have to and and they, you know they get that that, that you're going to have to ask them the difficult questions and when you do ask them difficult questions or have an opinion you know you have to, if they screw up, you have to say they've screwed up. And if they're not, not hitting their marks and they're not, not doing as well as they could do, you, you, you have to say it. It's, um, have you ever had a, like a really difficult relationship with someone because of asking them certain questions? Is there anyone that just doesn't react well? Nico Rosberg. Um, <laughs> straight uh, was really, <laughs> straight really, out. was really hard, really hard, but it was mad. Cause I used to PR him back in GP two and I found him so difficult, really, really difficult. Um, and then we kind of got on by the end of it. 
Um, and then when he, so GP2 was F2 back in the day. It was the old name for Formula 2. Formula Thank 2 is the category beneath <laughs> Formula 1. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Cheers, Thank you, mate. and Formula oh, Three God. is a category beneath Formula Two. Think of it like Formula One's the Premier oh. League, the Championship is Formula Two, League One is F3. So, you want to try and get through the Championships like that. Um, Sweet. And, um, and then Nico came to Formula One, and we always had this really, really difficult relationship. And um, all the way to like when he retired. And it was, it was kind of weird. Like when I worked with him in GP2, he was really weird until he left GP2 and then we were great. And then I moved to F1 to do, start doing you know, journalism and TV and all that. And um, he was really, really difficult right up until he left and retired. And then he was really great again. So I, I don't know if it was just the scenario and the circumstance. And I think Nico mm. just, when he felt his back was against a wall and he was, he was being asked questions, he wasn't in control of the situation. So he came across yeah. quite difficult. But he he either try and turn it round so he was in control of the situation, um, or when he didn't need to be in control of the situation after he'd retired, just really really easy to be around. But yeah, I found I always found him quite difficult um, mm. in in a in a media scenario. But nah, it's pretty cool. Like it's it's all it's fun, and you learn about people. You know, you learn what they like, what they don't like, how they like questions being asked. Yeah, what questions yeah, they that's, really that's don't like being asked. Um, you know, there's no point asking Kimi Raikkonen, how's your motivation? Because um, <laughs> he got so sick with that. And so I remember one year I just sort of turned around to him and I said, I said, I suppose there's no point in me asking how your motivation is. And he just looked at me and he just went shit like always. And I was like, brilliant, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's funny. So, yeah. That's great. Are all the cool. drivers on the current grid in this season of Drive to Survive? Or because we saw some stuff about Verstappen not really being in it. So, so I'm not sure is everyone in it. Yeah, so 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 um Verstappen didn't want to be interviewed for Drive to Survive this season, but he's obviously in it. Um you yeah. know because they've got microphones everywhere, so conversations that he's had and obviously, you know, him racing and all of that. So yeah, he's still obviously part of the narrative and part of the conversation and a big big part of it from what I understand. As I say, I won't see it until you guys do, but from from speaking to the the guys making the making the series, yeah, he's a he's he's still a really big part of it. So obviously that whole Verstappen Hamilton championship fight is is right at the heart of the show. So I got into YouTube last year in lockdown and um, I started making a little series on YouTube. They started doing really well and my channel picked up like 70,000 viewers really, really quickly. And then Motorsport TV came along and really liked what I was doing and offered me the chance to go and, and make it for them, which I did, not really understanding how YouTube worked and that there would suddenly be this immediate backlash. I thought they, that everyone watching it would be like, this is really great because now there's going to be budget behind it and you're going to get loads of interviews and it's going to be really cool. And they, they, they were just like, grr, angry. Um, really? Yeah. But... Um, but uh, but yeah, because of that, like you know what YouTube does, you know you 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 hit a certain number of viewers or or whatever, and it goes, would you like to sell merchandise? And I'm like, this has got to be the dumbest idea in the history of the world. No one's going to buy this. So I went, yeah, okay, cool. Um, and people bought it, and I was like, this is brilliant. Um, but I made sure that a percentage of all the sales went to charity because I didn't want to be a complete douchebag about it and just be like, you know, people buying stuff with 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 my logo on it. Um, 
which I'd made for the channel. Um, so I wanted, I wanted it to do some good. So, so yeah, so we did um, a percentage of all the sales went to charity. So I didn't feel quite so bad about being one of those, one of those YouTube guys that had a, had a merchandise range. <laughs> That's cool though. I mean, how do you see YouTube compared to what you do on the TV? I suppose you're kind of directing everything yourself for YouTube. So when I was doing, yeah, when I was doing the stuff for myself, I was I was directing it myself, and I was I was producing it and editing it and scripting it and filming it and doing doing everything. And I, that was one of the other main reasons that I started the YouTube channel was to learn how to use Premiere Pro, Pro, so I could I could learn how to edit and I could learn how to produce my own content. And it was great because. Um, again, it was all under lockdown, so I didn't have much else to do. Um, and yeah. just, yeah, started, started learning, but it, it, YouTube is, is, is crazy complex to, to really get the most out of it and to ensure that you're getting as many viewers as you can and, you know, more people are seeing it and, and also yeah, just, you know, I used to, um, I used to do, I used to be a YouTuber before this, yeah. I used to make like entertainment lifestyle stuff. And I vlogged every day of my life for two years and yeah. traveled around everywhere and did it all. It's a lot of work. If you Man, get stuck into YouTube don't, and you do people it don't your see own, how much work, work it is. Like it's a, it's a no, huge it's amount so of work. work. Like, can you put up a video every day? Like, if you want it to be good, I don't think I can because I don't think I've got enough time to to do this every mm. single day. And you need, you know, the people who are who are getting it and are doing it um, and making, you know crazy crazy amounts of videos the vast majority have got you know they've got a team behind them and they've got yeah. you know they've got their content plan and they've got their editors and they've got you know they, they they they've got the whole thing worked out plan and i just didn't i didn't have that plan i didn't i couldn't couldn't work that far ahead but it was amazing and looking into the analytics of like okay so when does the show drop like how long do i need this to be and does it pick up again and what topics am i talking about that people like and you know, if I talk about this topic, would I constantly see a drop off when I started talking about a certain topic? It's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Mm. But I love it. And what's been great as well with working with Formula One is, is you know, seeing the uptick in what they do on, on social. And the reason that I was brought into F1 originally was because I'd worked in America for about 10 years broadcasting in the States. Um, and then they said, can you come over and work for us on our digital platforms? And the digital platform for F1 was kind of like free to air TV. So we were just, we were creating content like we created for television, but we'd stick it all up on, on YouTube and, yeah. and uh, making stuff for Insta and, you know, now TikTok and whatever it is. And that's, that's free to air TV now, you know, in an era where the majority of stuff is behind a paywall on Sky. Getting it out on social is how you get new eyeballs. It's how you how you create new fans. Um, you know, we yeah, did the definitely. the post race show, uh, and when we started doing that, when I went over to F one, that would go out live on Twitter after every race. And I think after the first show, like Twitter were expecting us to get maybe like twenty thousand, fifty thousand viewers for the show, something like that. And we pulled in like one and a half million on the first show. Wow, oh, wow. But the mad thing with that was obviously you've then got your analytics of who's watched it and you could see who out of that one and a half million actually followed any of the F one accounts. And it was something like sixty percent didn't follow a single F one account. So you're like, okay, this is the value of the retweets and the shares and all of that yeah. in growing the fan base. And it was massive. And as soon as you had those figures and you could take that back to the bosses and go, right, this is why us being on the social is, is important. And suddenly, you know, just the, the confidence and Liberty Media obviously, you know, understood it from the outset. That's one of the, the yeah. biggest things they brought in was, you know, as new owners of the sport was a real push in the, in the digital domain. We can definitely see that. Yeah, That's we, we've noticed it even as new fans, we've noticed it. I think, um, yeah, social media and the internet, it's just a it's a crazy thing not just for f1 and for sport but for everything but you can really tell with f1 how it has changed the sport and i mean you going back to you talking about tiktok and stuff i mean 
this whole podcast, we're, we're at home right now. We're doing this from home. We're doing it on a laptop in one of our spare rooms. And then we're going to take all the the clips from the podcast and make it into TikTok content. So we're kind of all, we're doing it ourselves, really, yeah. which is kind of nice because we know that everything is going to meet our level of expectation rather than giving it to someone else to do. So it and is that, nice I- in a way. It's it's huge because you have you have real ownership of, of what you're of what you're creating then. And there's something very uh something very real and very organic about it. And I think that's the most important thing in in what you do is is to be real. You've got you've got to be genuine because people sniff out bullshit so fast. You've got to 100%. be genuine. And it's you know, it's hard. Like doing stuff for F one is quite difficult because obviously I can't I can't give every opinion that I have because otherwise I'd probably get fired. But, um, <laughs> and you have to toe the line sometimes and you have to, you know, you, you have to be quite straight on, on, uh, on, on certain things. But for the most part, F1 are very good and allow me to, to have an opinion um, and to be independent, um, you know, within that. You know, obviously there are always going to be certain things that I, that I can't say or do. I can't sit here yeah. and, you know, and, and slag off decisions or this and that because it's just, it's just stupid, you know, why, you, you wouldn't do that. Um, yeah. but, um, but, but what's, what's brilliant, I think with, with them is they, they always appreciated the, the content that, that I'd made certainly before I went to formula one was always very honest and was very true. And, and they wanted that, they wanted that on, on their channels. Um, mm. because that's what speaks to people. People don't want to be spoken at they don't want to be fed, you know, bullshit. They want, and, and it's, it's evidenced through, you know, the uptick in, in what's successful and what isn't on social is. People want want the truth. They want honesty, and they want people who who, you know, aren't trying to sell them something just other than Definitely. just their passions for things. And that's I think that's I think that's absolutely massive, and I think that's really really important. Um, so one 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 thing that is difficult on social, though I think, and I don't know the extent to which you guys have found it, is is just the sheer level of kind of tribalism, and and toxicity that 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 can be created sort of between. So the... like gate gatekeeping. Have you heard the term gatekeeping? What's before? gatekeeping? That's what we're dealing with at the moment. <laughs> yeah, we spoke about it on our last, um, on our last podcast. Basically, I don't really know how to describe it, but the way I've always seen F1 is like I said, on the last pod, it's like an elitist sport. It's almost like a private members club. Right. Um, and like, they kind of didn't want any new people or outsiders to like come in, but we've had a lot of comments from people saying that we're like kicking the, the gate down basically we're getting into the sport which maybe we i think it came from there was a lot of new people making content on socials and people get things wrong they don't know everything like everyone else and all these people were commenting like stop making content all this stuff or people were commenting gatekeeping and i think gatekeeping in the formula oh, one social get, yeah. media world it's yeah. like people saying these people well, don't know what they're on about they shouldn't be talking about it there's I, th- I think that's it you know and and it's 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 really really hard because formula one is such a complex sport um you know as we've as we've seen just you know in the last couple of races in terms of the complexity of the rule book and what's allowed what isn't allowed what's right what's wrong how are you allowed to race what what goes on in the in the officials office and stewarding and you know all those kind of things it's very very complex and and even those who've been following the sport for years don't understand every single level of the complexity and before you even start looking at the technical aspects of the cars and and everything else um Mm. And it's very, very hard to to be fully immersed in all of that from the outset. And so I think there 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 does appear at the moment to be almost a them and us between fans who've been around for ten years or more and who, mm. you know, think that they 
almost I guess you could you could say yeah you're right like the gatekeeping almost like an ownership of the of the of the fandom of the sport to new yeah. fans coming in who want to talk about it who want to learn who want to discover and, but I think it's great I think it's it's brilliant to have to have oh it is amazing yeah to have the, the to have cons- the new fans coming in and wanting to learn more to do what you guys are doing and to sit yeah. there and go. We don't know shit, but we want to know, and that's and that's <laughs> oh, yeah. that's the that's the best part. That's of the it. beauty of it. Yeah, yeah, because it's the funniest when we think we're right and we're completely <laughs> fucking wrong. <laughs> but that's how you, but that's how you learn, you know, and that's how you yeah. create that that fanaticism and that love is is through learning and watching and understand. Everyone's got to start somewhere. You can't just jump in something and within day one know everything. Otherwise, where's the fun? You know, it's yeah. about yeah. that 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 learning, that that understanding, that that journey. We said from the right at the top of the show, you know, the the journey towards the understanding, the journey towards becoming a fan, is what being a fan is all about. You know, you don't go to your first soccer match and know everything about the sport. You know, you go to your first football match and your team wins, and you think, oh, it's like this all the time. And then you go to the next six matches and they lose every game, especially if you're an Arsenal fan. So, so you know, it is it 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 is hard. It is difficult, but. I think one thing we're trying to do with F1 is to try to, to get that, that balance right. And it's something we always did at NBC back in the day in the States is we were very, very aware that we were growing the fan base all the time. Our figures were going up and up and up. So we knew every weekend we were getting fans who'd never watched Formula One before. Yeah. So how do you cater to the fans who've been watching for 30 years and the fan who's been watching for 30 seconds? And it's, yeah. it's a hard line to, to tread, but um, you have to cater for everybody. Um, but yeah, I think there is an element of gatekeeping. There's an element also of, you know, confirmation bias and the the insane sort of bubble of, um, you know, reflecting back to each other, you know, that which you believe and only following those who sort of follow that same opinion that you have, you know, like post Abu Dhabi, the, the, the you know, Lewis Hamilton fans all following Lewis Hamilton fans and whipping themselves up into a, into a frenzy, um, you know, and the same with Max fans following Max fans and all being yeah. very happy and maybe having drowned out the, 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 you know, the very sort of pro Lewis Hamilton noise. There's that kind of, there's that factionalism. Is that a word? Um, you know, when, <laughs> when factions are created and, um, you know, everyone gets, gets lost within, within that, that sort of that, yeah, that bubble of, of, of confirmation bias. It's, 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 it's mm. really difficult. And then you get toxicity and there's more toxicity in the fan base than I've seen Ever. And I think that's a lot, a lot of that is down to social media. You know, I remember going to a, a race for the first time and standing alongside fans from different countries, supporting different drivers. Didn't matter. Like you cheered and moved mm. for 19th, like you cheered and moved for the lead. Didn't matter where you were from. Didn't matter who you support. You were all united by yeah, this yeah, love yeah. of the same thing, which was motorsport. Yeah. And I hope that I that that's comes what back. we kind of have, right? Pardon? That's kind of how we see the sport at the moment. I mean, because we're so new to it, we we're not into. Oh yeah, we're so unbiased. So, but that's like, it. We just that's it, man. It's a great race. We're fascinated by the will to will action. That's it. For us, it isn't really about who wins the race. For us, it's more about our predictions. We've made our predictions for I the love season. That. And we want them to happen because we're yeah. scoring each other. That's I love literally that. It. And you know what? That's that's kind of like it's it's exactly what what we're like at the track as well. You know, because if you're working <laughs> in the sport as well, I don't care who wins. I just want a good race. Like that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's you do. it. That's all you want yeah. is a good race, some decent race, like decent hard racing, um, and for the guy at the podium at the end, like top step of the podium, to be absolutely overjoyed that he's won the race. Like that's all you want. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, well, 
I think that will happen this year because Ferrari are clearly going to dominate this year. Is that your <laughs> prediction? That is absolutely my prediction. He thinks yeah. Ferrari are going to win everything. We did our top tens and he's put Leclerc second. <laughs> and, I don't know. And he's got Russell 10th. So I don't know how he's managed to do that. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I want to <laughs> hear your, I want to hear your full top 10. What's your full top oh, 10? Go. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's go through it. Okay. I'll tell you what. We'll both give you our top 10s oh, and you say nice. who you think is all right, most likely. Right, all right. So, go. And so is this after, from... did you do this after the first week of testing or just purely on how the cars looked? Uh, well, we, well, <laughs> he knows we, us already, doesn't he? We, yeah, he does. We Red car top, it's pretty. Then the, then the blue and white one. <laughs> we looked exactly at the first it. week of testing and we couldn't figure out where they'd done 146 laps. I didn't understand the practicing. So I've got it as, I've got Hamilton first, Leclerc second, Verstappen, Lando, Sainz, Alonso, <laughs> Gasly, Perez, Vettel, and then Russell. Wow, that's interesting. So Perez and Russell, so the teammates that far down. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's Mine's actually, actually that's, quite, that's quite a good list. I quite like that. I wanted Alonso in there because I just think he's a big dog. I love Alonso. He I think he's going to do well. He? Yeah, we love yeah. Alonso, but I, I couldn't. I love him, but I couldn't put him sixth. And I cannot <laughs> believe you've got Russell tenth, mate. Give him your list. I've gone from the top. I've gone for Verstappen to win. I, my argument has been, I agree with everything you said and you know a shit ton more than me. <laughs> but, I, but I think if someone can battle against someone that good and still come out on top in a season like that, it shows that they got the fighting spirit. So I, And I'm sat in a Red Bull t-shirt. I don't support Red Bull. Love that. I don't support anyone, really. Um, but yeah, just I merged up. And top. Yeah, just completely we went to the Grand Prix up. shop in Blue Water. Every single Love it. Every single Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Verstappen, Hamilton... Russell, I've gone Russell. Yeah, first. that's not that's not that's not stupid. And then I've gone Signs, Perez, Norris, Leclerc, Gasly, Ricardo, Vettel. Ricardo in the top ten. Yeah, that's pretty. That's Vettel pretty solid, 10. actually. That's a pretty. Yeah, they're both they're both solid for for different reasons. But I think, I think the Hamilton. Well, no. What is it? Verstappen, Hamilton, Russell. Ah, yeah, come on. Yeah, that's, that. yeah, that's, that's not bad. I'd probably go. I'd probably go. Leclerc second. I think right now probably Hamilton, Verstappen. Well, but here's the thing, right? If if Lewis goes out and demolishes everybody, then maybe the Russell P10 prediction's right. True. Like I, if think, Lewis, I just if thought he, I was thinking Russell's going to really try and prove himself. He's going to try and prove himself in the Mercedes and he's just going to maybe make a few mistakes. I don't know. Yeah. Or... Who knows? Or, you know, George comes in, beats Lewis for the first three races. That's what I said. Imagine then, he goes, wins that first and then, race. And then Lewis retires and walks off mid-season. You know, doesn't even finish in the top 10. How does it work? Can you switch drivers up mid-season? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how it works is you can... I mean, you can move drivers between teams. I mean, so long as the contracts allow it, you can. And they'll keep their points... Because they've earned them themselves, but the team keeps the points that they've won for them. So, uh, okay. so for example, last season, no, the season before last, so 2020, George Russell raced for Williams. Now, this doesn't work because he hadn't scored any points for Williams at that, at that stage. It didn't matter. Um, oh, no, no, it does. It, this, this does work. So then he moved to Mercedes for one race to stand in for Lewis. So the points that he won in the race, or let's say any points that he would have won in that race for Mercedes would have gone to Mercedes and George would have had them as well. And so when he moved back to Williams for the next race, Williams wouldn't have got those points, but George would have kept them. 
Oh, okay. Got it. I got it. I had no idea. I wasn't sure whether it was like transfer windows or whether no, 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 no. That can happen in the middle of a season. Um, and uh, and yeah, if you ever do move a team, you keep your points, and the team that you won those points for keep those points for the constructors' championship. Got you. But yeah, you basically yeah, yeah. the team whoever yeah. Yeah, you've got your two championships. Driver's championship, team championship. And that's how... Yeah, that's not how only does Fab think Leclerc second, but he also thinks uh, Ferrari are going to win the Constructors' Championship. <laughs> wait, with, wait with, Le- with, with Leclerc in second, and where did you put Carlos? Fifth, I think. So you put them second and fifth, and they're going to win the Constructors'. <laughs> that's what I said to him. I said it's the driver's points combined. This guy hasn't got a fucking clue. Add, <laughs> add together your teammates. Add together, add together the positions of the... Seriously, add clue, together mate, the positions honestly. of the teammates. And whichever number is the smallest, that's who will probably win the constructors. Because if you've well, got... What have you got? You've got Lewis... You've got Lewis I've P... Got Lu- I've got Hamilton P1 and Russell P10. So that's an, so that's an 11. Yeah. So that's pretty high. Leclerc. Leclerc second and signs fifth. So that's seven. So that's low, right? So who's third? Yep. Uh, Verstappen third and Perez is seventh. So that's 10. So, okay, so that's better than Mercedes. Okay, so we're still okay, Ferrari we, one, we, Ferrari one, Red Bull two, Mercedes three. I okay, think we can do this This might work out. This might work out. His crazy prediction might work out. Lando's fourth. Yeah. And uh, Ric- Ricardo's not in there. Okay. Uh, Alonso's Alonso sixth. Gasly seventh. Oh, well, he's only got to done it, hasn't he? His prediction actually works. It actually makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, a lot of thought went into this. Oh, my God. Ferrari are not... I want them to. It'd be amazing to see Ferrari come back and batter everyone. I'd love it. It'd just be I insane. Would it. it would. It's it would. happen. Can you, can you imagine we go into the season and actually it's Ferrari versus McLaren for the World Championship? Oh, um, man. It would be insane. It would be amazing. Like you said, we just want a great race. And I want Mick every, to actually every... drive for Ferrari for one race. I'd love yeah, that. I yeah, I so bad. I think that'd be really cool. Oh, yeah. He made another prediction. I tell you what, we'll give you one last prediction and then we'll, we'll let you go. But his one, he gave a prediction that he thinks this season Mick is going to race for Ferrari and win a race. That's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're still, we're still living in COVID times. Who knows? Any, and Mick, is, yeah, and Mick is still officially Ferrari reserve. So one of those Ferrari boys comes down with it and he could get in. And if it's as fast as you think it is, Oh. Not being funny, your be predictions. The... Your predictions are sounding an awful lot like my kind of predictions, and they and they've had a, <laughs> oh, yeah, a well, bit of a I've tendency to come Val- true. <laughs> I've gone for Valtteri Bottas to win a race this season. Okay, I that's think not going to happen. He'll get lucky. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Love Valtteri to bits. Love you to bits. But no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> if that happens, oh. I'll get. If that happens, I'll get Valtteri tattooed on me. All right, there, there we go. go. You've just got it. Valerie Bottas wins a race. Just... Will Buxton <laughs> is going to get a tattoo of Valerie Bottas. There amazing we go. Amazing stuff. Nice. Will, it's been absolutely amazing yeah, having you on. Oh, guys, it's been on. fun. It's been fun. I'm really excited. And I'm excited for you guys. Excited on your, you know, for you on your journey and getting into it. And I love that you're doing this. I love that, you know, I love that you're doing this podcast. I love that you're getting into it and you're bringing people with you. It's, uh, it's, it's really, really cool. Let's, uh, let's do this again. Let's do this again mid-season or something, you know, when we, yeah, we know where to. the cars are at and we know what's going on. When, and when you're completely confused more. about everything and, and you <laughs> yeah. need to catch up, let's, <laughs> let's do this again. Let's do right, it. So, well, hopefully great. we'll see you on the track. Yes. Yeah, we want to come out, so we may see you some Who point. knows? Sounds good. The stars will align. Will, thank you so much, mate. Thank, thank you, you very much Thank you so much. On. Cheers. See you later. 
Well, there we have it. We had Will Buxton on our podcast. Absolutely unbelievable. We're currently sat at fourth in the Spotify charts. I think we're still first in Sri Lanka, but you guys are amazing. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do hit the follow button. Give us a review down below. It would be great if you click the five-star one. That would really help us out. But thank you very much for listening. We're glad you guys are enjoying the podcasts. We upload every Monday and every Thursday. Tuesday. Oh, Thursday. Monday and Thursday. Blown it. Yeah, I've blown it. And yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Guys, thank you. Powered by Spirit Studios.